views and opinions that are expressed as part of this podcast in no way represent those that are held by America Football Ireland or the Irish NFL show. As always, guys, this podcast is just a bit of crack. So please, no giving out. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Domestic Game Podcast, where we cover all of the insights and stories across American football Ireland. We are your hosts... Robbie Caldwell and I'm Kenny Dwyer. Let's get down to it. Hi guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Domestic Game Podcast. Um, unfortunately, the band is not back together. Rob is incredibly busy, so it's just myself. And to help me present this week's episode is Joe Kinahan. So Joe came up through youth football and is the starting QB for the Westmeath Minotaurs. He's also starting QB for the Maynooth University Hurricanes and a founding member of them. I think, Joe, you're also on the flag board as well and you have recently uh, received an appointment as AFI what is it admin and web manager uh, with us IT, so, IT and web admin yeah IT and web admin that's it so very welcome to the podcast today thank you very much I'm happy to be on uh, I'm excited to talk a lot of uh, uh, a lot of football that I probably shouldn't be talking about because I talk way too much and I'm probably going to get myself in trouble. No, you work away, you work away. Um, So yeah, if you'd like to just to introduce yourself, I think I've I've nearly covered everything, but is there anything that I've missed from your repertoire of uh, American Football Ireland? I don't think so. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, you've kind of said it yourself. Came up through the Westmead Minotaurs youth system Um. Went to Minute University in 2017 and helped kind of, not found, but I, well, I was part of the sort of reigniting of what what was the Minute uh, University Phoenix and uh, turned that into the Hurricanes and uh, been with them ever since then. And then I've just started trying to get into more of the background stuff for football. So I'm on the Westmead Minotaurs Committee. I'm kind of a representative for the Minute Hurricanes on the uh, flag football subcommittee. And uh, again, as you said, recently just got appointed as an IT and web admin. So I have too many hats is basically yeah. what the, is what that breaks down to. Too no, many hats. Brilliant. Well, sure. We're, we're delighted to have you. Kind of, yeah, you've loads. And now you're a co-host of the Domestic Game podcast as well. So you can add that. <laughs> add that, yeah. My LinkedIn profile is going to be mad. Yeah, this is it. So I was going to ask about the the youth football that you came up through. So obviously, like we would be big promoters of the youth football um, in AFI, but also just on the podcast in general. And I feel like a lot of our coverage so far has been very kind of like, yeah, guys, you know, youth football is great. You should all really do it. You should all contact Bill, who is actually from Westmeath Minotaurs as well, um, and try and get involved and access the resources. But we don't always get necessarily to talk to someone who has come up through that so you're kind of like the first generation of young footballers that have come through the youth football and have made an impact then on the kitted game um so what was your experience like in in playing youth football and how do you feel that it benefited you um in in afi well i had kind of come up through um, when the Minotaurs, I think they weren't even a year in existence. So the, the youth system wasn't even in, you know, even in their heads at the time. Yeah. And I had kind of come, just come around to train and I was maybe 11, 12 years old just because I was football mad. And I don't know why I was. I just was. <laughs> um, 
as you do. But um, no, so I, I, I was just there. I kind of grew up with them as they came up through their own sort of football journeys. And um, obviously then the youth system got uh, announced and it was the South Kildare Soldiers at the time. And I think it was Craig Gavin as well, Craig yeah. Gavin Cowboys. Um, and then obviously we set up our own squad. So it was myself. Uh, and again, it... Again, clubs are always saying, "Oh well, you know, I don't know, I don't know if we have the players or you know the 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 coaches to to set up a, a youth squad." But I think if you look at the Cowboys and you look at who are now the Crusaders, and you look at the Minotaurs, like a good half of our starting lineup came from that youth system. Like obviously, you have myself, uh, you have Rafa Montero who plays football. He doesn't. He plays running back. He plays DB. He plays linebacker everywhere. Jack Lynch who. I think is a very underappreciated receiver. I think he's one of the best in the league. And I don't know if even half the people in the league actually know his name, but they should. Um, yeah, like you just have so many names that are on our starting lineup. Like uh, who else can I name? Dean Johnson, David Walsh, all these lads who came up through that youth system along with me and along with the rest of the lads from the other teams. Like it'll do you so much good if you set it up now even if there's only two coaches, like when the Minotaur started their youth program, uh, it was just two coaches and it, it stayed like that. Now again, could it have been a bigger setup? Yeah, maybe. But when you, you only need the two coaches just to teach lads how to play. Yeah. And I think when you get that foundation in, you're already developing a, a senior squad essentially for three, say three, four years time. So instead of having to coach 18 or 19 year olds up or, you know, and above, if you're trying to coach 40 year olds up the game for the first time, you know, for people who've never played the sport before, you can have that and you can do that alongside people who, you know, 18, 19 year olds who have played the sport for say four or five years at that stage. And I think, you know, that'll go to show on the field. Like when, I think when we started getting up into the senior squad, like 2017 would have been our first year of, uh, or 2018 would have been our first year of sort of, what would be the word, graduation, I guess, of our youth yeah. squad. Yeah. And we went six and two, went to the playoffs. And the next year, 2019, six and two, went to the playoffs and made it to the IFL one final. So I think if there's any clubs out there that are thinking, oh, you know, maybe maybe I might get in touch with Bill, do get in touch with Bill. And he will give you so many resources to get out there and set up a youth program that will only help develop your club for years to come. So... Yeah, that's exactly it, because that was the other thing that I was going to touch on, and we'd probably come back around to it later, was that, um, let's say, when I would have started officiating, which would have been, I think, maybe 2013 or 2014, I think 2013, the Westmeath Minotaurs, no offence, didn't seem to win that many games. You know, um, it was kind of a a team that I rarely saw um, and rarely took note of. And then it did really feel like from 2018, 2019, that you really came on and became very present. And then obviously making it to the 2019 IFL one bowl. And so do you, would you credit a lot of that success to the the youth players that kind of came up through? Absolutely. Yeah. And again, like, I suppose it doesn't really get talked about an awful lot, but your coaches will benefit too because the more football that they're involved in, you know, it's only going to, again, it's the same as players, the more reps you get, the better you get. So, you know, coming up through there and say Connor Brennan would have been the sort of guy for the youth mainly. 
Yeah, big big fan of Connor. I think he's great uh, flag QB as well. Like really, really brilliant, but an absolute gent as well. Lovely fella on the sideline, and and really very like um, supportive of all areas. In that, I see him when he is officiating for flag the next game he also has some poor young lad that he's obviously trying to indoctrinate into the have flag officiating that he is training up to actually do it properly um which is great because obviously officiating is always something that can improve in all areas of american football ireland and um so yeah absolute gent was all i was just interjecting there to say that much yeah but, but back like, to your point Bre- <laughs> yeah breno would have been um, but again, like so, Breno was a, our quarterback main. You know, for most of that time through, say, 2013 would have been our first season to all the way up to 2017. I think he played till. Um, and again, though those mental reps that he would have gone through when coaching us would have improved his game too. So if there's any players there even thinking about, uh, you know, getting into coaching or anything like that, just get in touch with your you or with your with your team and just say, hey, listen, you know, this is something I'm willing to do and it's something I want to do and I think it's going to benefit us as a club and you know sort of internally it's going to benefit you as a player too so if there's any players here in this as well just get hound your team now hound your team get on to the same we want we want a youth system and we want again five years time we want trophies and you know that's that's what's going to get you like you know yeah, exactly. I agree. And um, then as well, I know you said you don't know why, but I, I'm always interested why people are attracted to American football uh, in Ireland, you know, and I know you're saying you were like 11, 12, interested, you don't know why, but was there anything? Was it like a Madden game sometimes is the first thing or people just watch NFL? Was What what was it that attracted you even at that age to it? I think when I was like, it would have been close to Christmas because um, obviously NFL's, on like a winter sport usually sort of autumn autumn into winter um i would have been 10 or 11 and a game flicked on and i think we passed over for maybe you know five minutes and then flicked onto another channel but it was those five minutes i was like that's an interesting game and i kind of kept that on the back burner for a year and it was i some year or again maybe 11 or 12 i was online looking for soccer games online just because i was bored of fifa yeah as you do kind of get and um I came across some uh, Adobe Flash game where it was like your kick return or something. And I just got hooked on that. And I was like, I want to do that, but in real life. And found the Minotaurs and, that was it. you know, been a part of the team since then. So it's a really weird story. It's not like, oh, well, I, you know, saw some great players play. It was like Miami Dolphins and the Jets. So it's probably the worst version of football, <laughs> especially during those days, you know, sort of 2010 area yeah. that I could have watched. But I think it was those five minutes of watching this. Like, oh yeah, this is you know this is pretty cool. I can see myself doing this. Yeah, people's stories and how they get involved in the sport—they're always weird. That's why I'm always I'm always interested in them. But yeah, so then kind of moving on to like the big success stories in Westmeath Minotaur. So one, for example, is the 2019 IFL One Bowl. I know yourself and myself, we may disagree on on how the game went, but um, I mean, that was a narrow loss. I think that went right down. Was it the last play of the game? That uh, basically, yeah. So we, we went into the two minute warning, would have been 28 21 down, and we went the whole way up the field. And I think there was like 30 seconds left, we scored a touchdown, or maybe a minute left, we scored a touchdown 28 27. And you, you know, at, at the time, you know, so when we got the play calls saying we're going for two points, 
initially you're excited because you're like two, two, three yards and we win the game. And then in the maybe 10 seconds, once you get to the sideline after that play where we're, we're called an inch short and it literally was that close. Like the, I, I can't remember who the sideline ref there was. It was me. They, <laughs> were you not in the, were you not in the back of the end zone though? I think, yeah, I think the sideline, the sideline would have been, uh, Demex is his name. And then I would have been the back of the end zone, but we were watching, watching like for the touchdown score was, was basically on us um, that day. Yeah, like like I think Demex literally he kind of you know Jack caught the ball, landed. I'm gonna say on the line. I'm gonna say on the line. I don't care. He was in the end zone. <laughs> and um, no, uh, Demex kind of stood there. Like I could see the hesitation myself from the middle of the field. And he literally he takes like a slight step to his left, and then you know sort of uh, rules it short. And, you know, whatever, you know, whatever I think about the play call or whatever the team or about the officiating there, that's a different conversation. But when you're on the sideline for the next sort of 10 seconds, you're like, oh, Jesus, why did we go for that? That was so risky. But I think at the end of the day, it was, you know, you know, you can criticize the call all you want. But I think we kind of knew that we, in the last stages of that game, we kind of struggled. Um, like, I, th- I think I threw an interception on like a third 17 but you know just before that maybe five six minutes left in the game and I thought that was the nail in the the coffin there but you know we were kind of given another lifeline and I think the coaches on the sideline knew look I mean if if this goes to overtime I don't think we fancy our chances so you know uh, you know at that stage you kind of understand it and you say well yeah you did kind of have to go for two it's yeah. just execution at that stage. So. No, I, I think going for two is the correct call there, especially because of the way how that game went. And from what I remember, you went up, was it like two touchdowns at the start of the game? And then the Cowboys started to have a fairly significant, strong comeback. Your man, um, Luis Alberto, I think was having a great game. He smoked he had there was one pass out smoked everyone including myself who was trying to keep he's, up with him he's got burners hey you did well to keep up with him along the sideline though thank you yeah I was uh, like I was okay with that because the the video of him making that run did the rounds on social media and there's me kind of beside him obviously nobody is looking at me like they're clearly looking at the kid who has the talent and is scoring the touchdown but you know when do you know I was I was kind of looking at it like you know what I'm okay with it like <laughs> yeah you're like Dash at the end of the Incredibles where he's just kind of jogging into second place <laughs> same it's like oh yeah I'll let him score and then I'll cross the line myself yeah, yeah that was kind of that was it you're not supposed to get beat to the end zone I think I don't know I think maybe maybe he had me a little bit on that one but uh, I wasn't expecting him to make that to to be as fast as he was or to to make that type of play but I think he he really had a game that that day and. Uh, that's that's how I remember it going was ye were ahead and then they started to come ahead and then ye kind of had your fourth quarter comeback there where the win was on for ye and the reason why I feel like that two points is the right call is exactly that you've said that where you know you don't really want to be going into overtime or anything like that because that does give them the chance when ye have the chance to to put this game away and to win it that that's your opportunity to do it and then I remember that that call so well because um I know that it probably looks to you like it was over the line from where I was it didn't it didn't look like it and I, I remember being so shocked because the player who caught the ball 
could have out, he was so close he could have outstretched to score the touchdown and I was so shocked that he didn't outstretch to score this touchdown I didn't I was shocked that he didn't do that because I didn't know I didn't know what to do because I was like oh that wasn't from where I could see it that wasn't scored why wasn't it scored it should have been and then I realized that the player who'd caught it had actually really badly injured himself on that play. I think he'd like torn his ACL or something. Is that, ACL, is that right? MCL, I think it was. Yeah. 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 So uh, there might be a bit of a reason. So <laughs> do you know? But, uh, um, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll allow you. We'll allow you, Jack. Don't worry. <laughs> but my point is that's not, my point isn't to drive that point home by any means. My point is that he actually did enough to win that game. It was that there was an unfortunate, like, I mean, that's a freak injury. Someone coming down on their leg and tearing what they tore. And I hope he has recovered since. Like, as a as a quarterback in that position, you actually did enough to win that game. So had he not scored his, or had he not torn his, his ACL and had been able to outstretch, because you know when you're injured, you just, you, you are not thinking about anything but the injury. That would have been two points. You would have won that game and you'd be going up to the SBC in um, 2022. And so my question is, like, do you ever do you ever think about that? Yeah, I, I've actually watched the game back a few times. It's, it, I mean, like, it's a great game to watch. Brilliant That's the thing, game. like, as heartbreaking it is as it is for, for me to watch that playback. And, I've, you know, I've had it on a loop. Just like, <laughs> if you know, if I had to push it another... Another little bit in, you know, the angles would have been different. He may have scored, but it's a great game to watch. And I think it, you know, not to sort of toot our own horns about it, but I thought it was a great advertisement for the sport here. Yeah. So even though, like, I, you know, had that been at Energia Park, I think it would have been a more, you know, a better received game than uh, the Shamrock Bowl that year. Because I mean, like at the end of the really, day, like like the yeah, like the Trojans and the Panthers are really good teams, but you know, the Trojans I think were always going to win that game. Yeah, I mean, I think with, with, go ahead. Sorry. No, you're you're. I'm I'm with you. Like for me, the IFL One Bowl in 2019 was the game of the season. I was I was at both games. I was only officiating one of them, but I just thought it was such so exciting, so well executed. There really wasn't all that many mistakes and in terms of mistakes that were made the the other team was very quick to capitalize on that so i think it was fantastic i have to say and i do think the matchup was really exciting i mean a game can't get more exciting than that that bowl i mean i had to go calm down after that game it was it was that good and i do agree with you like i think that um you know the panthers and the trojans like they're fantastic they're fantastic teams. The Panthers, obviously, it's their first. It was their first time ever, you know. First off, making the playoffs, but also, you know, in in the bowl and in that kind of setup. And they did quite a big media campaign around that with the big whiteout type thing. And while that was very exciting, sometimes you have to wonder if that's a good idea when you are very new to that environment. Whereas the Trojans, I've, I felt like, just had they were so used to that you know so used to that environment and obviously that game started so well for them with them scoring on their first on on the kickoff the first like play of the game uh I felt that into the third quarter because at halftime the Trojans were very confident definitely looked like a confident sideline and should have been and then in the third quarter it wasn't that they 
were getting worried it was more that they kind of had to focus again and kind of had to okay we you know we need to stop enjoying ourselves so much here on the sideline and remember that the game isn't over and then again the fourth quarter went went their way but in terms of being a spectator and watching a game I did feel like the the 2019 IFL One Bowl was a better game to actually watch than the than the Shamrock Bowl don't don't come at me SBC conference then I wanted to ask about the formation of the Hurricanes. So um, what went into that? And also, why did you decide to call it the, the Hurricanes? Um, so when so, so obviously, the Maynooth Phoenix was around, I think, from 2010 or 2011. And the interest for that had kind of fallen off. Um, I think there were maybe, you know, even before I, I sort of joined Maynooth, I think they were getting maybe three or four people down at training and they were struggling to get lads down for, for games. And I think the the committee at the time kind of leading into the end of that year um, would have said, look, we need a rebrand because they were so passionate about keeping a flag football team a minute. And they kind of just threw names in, into, um, you know, into a chat and just said, right, here's our selection and, you know, what's the best one? What's And it was just the Hurricanes came out. And then I came in, so 2017 would have been my first year there. And I had already known Dean Johnson uh, from, from the Minotaurs actually as well. Um, he was on the committee for the, for the club, for the, for the rechristened Hurricanes. And um, he kind of invited me along just to say, you know, just, just, just to be again part of part of the gang, and uh, you know, start to maybe steer the course back on uh, a path that the club wanted to follow, as opposed to you know slowly again losing players to three or four people at training. And it was just about you know making sure that you knew lads around campus first. I think that's the hardest thing for uh, I, like again. I don't know if Trinity or UCD can attest to this as much because they're so big and they're in Dublin, but. For a college team, or for, for a college in, in a sort of more rural town, it's very hard to promote yourself as a club first. You kind of have to get to know people and then say, oh, by the way, this is this thing that we do. Like, yeah. and I'm sure, yeah. again, it's not even just a college thing. I'm sure it's it's the same for most um, for, for most kid teams outside of colleges. I'm, I'm sure it's very difficult to um, kind of promote yourselves and... and and say, here, this is what we do. Do you want to do it? You kind of have to get to know people first. It's it's very much a a, a personal thing when you when you join a, a club that's not in Dublin. That, that's not a, a dig at Dublin teams, by the way. I'm sure. No, no, it is. I mean, like the AFI leagues tend to be quite um, Dublin centric and Belfast centric. Just tends to be around um, the bigger cities and stuff. It's kind of just the way it is. But yeah, it's the the teams kind of out on the outskirts that occasionally would would struggle for numbers and stuff like that and I think that the rebranding that you've done with the Hurricanes is is brilliant like we're seeing time and time again how rebranding is really a very good tool for teams to use like the South Dublin Panthers who were originally the Dublin Dragons and that I think is one of the most successful rebrands that we've had and people seem to forget we totally forget actually that they were once the Dragons they've rebranded to be a very successful team even um IAFA like rebranding to American Football Ireland and it just seems to have like a new a new um 
like ethos about it and it seems to be a new organization so we're seeing that with the hurricanes now from the phoenix i mean like ER four and oh for this season yeah so uh, again going back to that sort of rebrand like when we've started so my first sort of year in charge if you if you want to say it like that i think we went i think we went own six and forfeited i think four games I think there was two or three game days we couldn't get to. Oh, but not so, pretty. Not pretty at all. No, uh, we had uh, we had a bit of a struggle getting going. But again, it is it's just persevering through that. And um, twenty eighteen, I think we won a couple games. We had a few close games with um, Trinity and the Minotaurs. I think that year, and then twenty nineteen, obviously, um, you know, we go in and kind of no one's really expecting us to do anything much with the sort of history we'd had and. Um, you know, we make it to the playoffs there and we shocked the Panthers and we shocked the Mavericks again, not to dig at you, Kelly, but we, oh, we did do that. We did we, <laughs> we did kinda we did kind of beat you a little bit. <laughs> I wasn't involved back then, but like wasn't involved, but I feel I feel the historical burn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um but yeah, like to get to the final and I don't know, actually thinking about that now, I think there's something between me and the Cowboys that just losing me losing to a cowboy team in the finals is just a trend that AFI seems to be setting now. You know that that's one of the hallmarks of athletes is that athletes tend to be very uh, superstitious. Yes, and I think that the the fewer games now I play against the cowboys, I, I feel better about myself to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but no, yeah. So so we went from again, kind of. It, it's funny that we rebranded from the Phoenix, but we kind of came from the ashes of barely having a team to you know, getting promoted to the Premier Division for what would have been a 2020 season had it not been cut in half. Yeah. How do you equate that success to? Like, how did you, how did you turn that around? Was there any particular factor that was helpful there? I don't know. I think it just, you know, obviously the rebrand helps. Um, we got new jerseys, which when you're young lads looking for American football teams, jerseys always help. Yeah, and they're cool. Are they the, the Paddy Pigskin ones? Uh, no, so at the time uh, we didn't have the Paddy Pig skin. It was a just a white and it was like uh, sort of heathered grey look. But um, we had no sponsor, no Paddy Pig skin pot, uh, sponsor at the time. But um, no, I, again, it, it's just a, a mix of that and lads just happening to like American football coming into college, and lads that could play too. Like um, you know, that year we had uh, Colin Ennis, Dermot Brown. They're basically defensive coordinators for our team now. Yeah. Two of them. And they've kind of been staples of that defense. Um, you Ricky Paisley as well, uh, cornerback, plays with the Rebels uh, for for Kitted. Yes, and yes. Um, he was with us for that year. And um, again, yeah, just lads that could play, lads who really could play football. And to be honest, I think a few of them could play um, Kitted football and have no problem too. But you know, um, if that, if they just want to play flag and they want to play for the Hurricanes, that's fine because I mean, they're on my team and not someone else's. But yeah, like again, and then coming into 2019, Luke McIntyre has been our sort of star corner. And I think he don't, he'd only played a year and Alan Campbell as well. I should, should mention Alan Campbell. I, I should be the one to mention him actually as well because the, the lack of uh, 
the lack of publicity he's got on this podcast is shocking. The lack of uh, publicity that the Maynooth Hurricanes have gotten on the on the podcast at all, um, I suppose is shocking and seems to be. But this just goes to show that uh, peer pressure does work and social media pressure does work because when absolutely yeah, when I asked or when when we asked about you know what teams do you want to see, like by far the Hurricanes. Uh, came back as as the most popular voted for this um, for this podcast. So I was like, oh, here, better get the finger out and actually cover you a bit more. <laughs> so for any other teams that are listening, you know, peer pressure works. Like, do get on to us and let us know what um, what teams you want to hear about. So Joe, that kind of very nicely brings me to the next thing I was going to ask you about because obviously you've been involved in American football in Ireland for a long time but that's not how I know you originally like I feel like I know you best actually through just social media don't know we just sometimes like people just add each other or whatever um if we know that we're involved in American football Ireland and I kind of noticed you first of all just from some of the content that you're putting out I find that you have a really nice balance between kind of being a bit shady or a bit sassy but never mean or never no one's ever going to get offended by anything that you have that you say some of the coverage of the 2019 IFL one bowl I was like hold on here now a second and all this but in a really good kind of fun way and that has really stood to you and you know recently you were appointed as the the IT admin and the web admin I keep getting that um title wrong I apologize um, and so I suppose maybe you might be doing a lot more of the social media for American Football Ireland and kind of what are your your plans for that? Going into, say, so again, the last full season we had was 2019. So I guess it's not really fair to to see what, you know, to judge against what we were putting out in 2020. But I feel like, like I'm a big stats guy when it comes to, um, when it comes to even to NFL or college football. Like I, I just love being able to say, oh, well, you know, this guy had so many passing yards or so many touchdowns or whatever. And I guess coming into, definitely into 2022 anyway, um, you know, I want to be able to put out a table. I think we used to do that maybe a couple of years ago, 2018 or 2017, maybe. We yeah. had passing touchdown charts and receiving. So I would love to get a more in-depth sort of chart going there. Now, that all depends on how, you know, how much clubs can do when it comes to taking stats but that'd be a big thing for me you know because when players are able to say uh, you know when players are able to say this is how good I am and with physical proof that only helps clubs um, you know like clubs promotion when people yeah. are putting out you know pictures of oh well you know this is player of the week insert say Jack Lynch 13 catches 130 yards three touchdowns or whatever you know, when players are able to put that up on their socials, you know, it's only going to help the promotion of the league. And so I think that's a big thing for me, starting to get stats up. Um, after that, I think it's just having fun with it. Like, it making it seem like more approachable, I think is a big thing for me. So obviously the stats is one thing, but when, when you're able to show a league social media that has not, you know, banter, we'll say, where you're kind of like, you're taking the mick a bit but like when you're able to show that you're a fun league I think that's a really important thing and like people forget that sometimes that American football is really fun to play yeah, yeah and I, I feel like that's something that I want to try and convey that as much as possible on the socials too you know it's, it's kind of trying to strike that balance between 
making sure everything looks professional and uh, you know there's a sort of a standard to it but also trying to show that you know we're just a, a load of people who love the sport and we want to do as much for it as we can yeah so I think just yeah I love it. I love I love the plans. I love the idea of the stats. I think it was Steve Mack who had been doing that before, but we can even see how we could streamline that a small bit. I know we get some stats come into the officiating department that have has never been utilized before that is there and is available. And I really think it plays to, like you've said, the the players that we have in American Football Ireland, because like that. I think to play American football, you know, you have to have a dog in you. Every player has a dog in them, like, and every dog wants to be the top dog. So if you know that, you know, you are maybe second for passing touchdowns, the next game you go out, you're going to try and get more passing touchdowns because you want to be the first, like, and it does, it drives it drives teams to play better. It also gets a lot more engagement and it's fun. It's fun for players, like you said, to have those bragging rights and to kind of know where they're at or even if they've they've won touchdown, that that's a stat that should be recorded and should be available for them. I do think that's something that the NGB should be doing for its players. So I love, love that plan um, and I hope that all clubs and all that will engage with you on it, that any information that they can give you is going to obviously help you in in doing that. So then when it comes to like top dogs and all of this, um, I wanted to go into the power rankings from the last day of flag. We had the, was it flag only, shield tournament there two weekends ago, which I didn't cover on the last podcast. And so I was going to start, like for me in terms of power rankings, like I would still have the Saints there at the bottom. Just wondering what you thought on them. I don't know. The Saints are a weird team to evaluate for me. Like there'll be some plays where you're like, okay, yeah, they're. I mean, I don't. I don't know. Like they have some really good players on there. Yeah. I think it was their quarterback who. Um. So so we had a close game with them down in Cork. At the first, the opening weekend for the for the flag only division, we had a close enough game there, and their quarterback had a bat like a pass deflected back to him. He caught it and juked about two other guys and like made it maybe a yard away from the end zone. Just you know, just got called short of scoring, and it's like I just feel like like. They have some really good players on there, and I just think that they're maybe not being used the best. Yeah, you know, like, like fully, a, fully yeah. maximize their potential, sort of thing. Like it's a consistency thing, do you think? Yeah, it, yeah. To be honest, it could be a consistency thing. Like when you look at say, you know, they put eighteen points up against us. Um, I'm just trying to look back at scores now, but you know they've. I, I just again it is it's it's a consistency thing where they need if, if they could just nearly harness what they had in that game I feel like they'd get some really good results and yeah. you know results maybe that they might need because uh, I think have they won a game or they tied a game with the, the outlaws maybe they tied a game so they're 0-3 and 1 at the minute um, they're a bit like the Lions do you know of AFI in the sense that the Lions used to lose like every game but they would always have one standout amazing play where like Megatron would score in like triple coverage or something like that and it's kind of like well just do that like just do that every time it's like if you can have an one amazing play where you smoke everyone 
you should be able to do it two or three times. It's like just like lean into what's working, I suppose. I think, yeah, I think I think that's all they need. I, I still find it very hard to put them below um, the Outlaws, though. Do you? I, feel, I do, yeah. Like the out- they, they have the same season at the minute. The Outlaws are also 0-3-1. They are, yeah. And that's very surprising. Again, when you look back to that, well, again, the last full season that we would have had in 2019, they were... Did they go undefeated in the regular season in the Glass Bowl? I think they went five and one or yeah. five oh and one. So they they've gone from an undefeated season in 2019 to as of yet not having won a game in the in the in the Shield. And I think I think maybe maybe that plays a factor into it. The the sort of the level of of drop off maybe is a bit yeah. surprising for me. And I think that's maybe what puts the saints ahead of the outlaws personally for me oh so you want to change that so you'd put the saints to seventh and the outlaws at eighth i'll accept it i'll go with it personally yeah i mean that's just that's just my opinion i mean you know i I don't i don't want to be tarnishing the reputation of this podcast so uh, (laughs) if anyone disagrees if anyone disagrees you know hit my dms and we'll we'll argue about it i mean like i think that the the podcast doesn't necessarily have a reputation for being like the most PC. We get like a nice few people kind of messaging us all in good, in good crack. Like it's a great, it's a great group of people. Like, so uh, they will let us know when they disagree with us. The other two teams then that um, are on a similar record are the Quetzals and the Tigers, which are one and three. I find both these um, teams are interesting because they're both new. So it's very hard to kind of, to measure them up. Tigers for me, seem to be more so seems to be a numbers issue than an actual talent or athletic issue i think have the hurricanes played both of them to date and what are your thoughts on on them which one would you would you rate to be better than the other oh that's a tough see again i agree with just what you're saying about the tigers it is a numbers thing um so they went down to cork with five players um completely new to the sport Nobody had yeah. ever played yeah. flag football or American football before. And they lost by two points in their first game. And they won their second by, I think they had 29 unanswered points in the second game, in the second half. So they were down at halftime after already having played offense on defense in a first game. And then they go they go ahead and score 29 unanswered in a second half. Yeah, and I think that first game that they played... That they lost by the two points. I think was that against the Lions, and I know the Lions are a new organization, but they're not necessarily new players. Like they are, kind of like well known as as previously part of the the Belfast Trojans. So, well, I think yeah, I, I think that Tigers game was against the, that first game may have been a bit against the Quetzals. All oh, right, okay, I think yeah. that was yeah, it, it was twenty to eighteen, I think, or something. It was something close anyway. Like it was literally two points, and that separated them. And then obviously when then when the Tigers go up to Belfast, um, again was it two weeks ago we all played, they they had a close game with the Raptors who, you know for a couple of years now have been a really really good flag football team. Yeah, I think they're like one of the oldest teams in the league at the minute. Like they are very well well founded and have some really great really great players and they have players that uh, I think they have some players that are also playing for the UCD team. So I don't know how that's gonna gonna work out um but you know they're well-repped players 
They are, yeah. And I was kind of surprised watching that from the sidelines, seeing how close uh, Thomastown got. I, I think I'd still have the Quetzals like just above them. The fan in me wants to put the Tigers ahead of the Quetzals. Yeah, I think the fan in me wants to do it as well, but um, I'll, I'll accept the, the Quetzals ahead of them, I suppose, just because it's hard to go against a matchup score. Like. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when the Quetzals have beaten the Tigers, it's very hard to put, you know, swap it around the other way around. And the Quetzals are a good team. They, they have a really interesting offense. And uh, I, I feel like, again, they have pretty good athletic players there who can make some plays. I don't know. I feel like just because it's the first time I'm on here and I want to cause a bit of havoc, I'm personally going to have... I'm not going to make you do it. I'm personally going to have the Tigers ahead of the Quetzals. Oh, change it up. Just because. So, so that means the Tigers are in fifth and the Quetzals are in sixth then. Okay. The table will probably disagree with me there, but... Yeah, um, and... And the internet might disagree with and you. And the internet. <laughs> but on, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Yeah, you're ready for the cancel culture. It's like, it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, the Lions. The Lions, for me, I mean, like, obviously, I really like the vibe that I get from their culture because I see what they're doing, what they're building, and especially for a new, a new team that's kind of in quotation marks. Um, but they're very... You know, obviously I am a woman and I'm a big fan of women in sport, but they also seem to be big fans of women in sport. And whenever you see kind of a woman coming into a team and, and doing really well, and obviously I'm referring to um, Helen Smith, who's been really just is so well known in the sport now and really like holds her own is as good as anybody else, if not far, far better. And but you're also seeing Hannah King come in and she scores two touchdowns um, in one game that that week, which is amazing. But but if when you see a woman coming into kind of a male dominated sport and start to do well, that really is a litmus test for how good a team is at developing players and developing talent. And the Lions seem to be like that. Um, one of those teams so they're they're two and two which I am surprised at at the minute I would have thought they would be up maybe in the first or second spot here with maybe like a four and oh record or a three and one record uh, but I think that that also is representative I think it's their seconds team that they have out in the minute at the minute because they seem to have something like 40 odd players playing flag which is a lot given that if you have one person in every position both sides of the ball that's 10 players like so yeah, they um they show up to flag game days with more players, I'd say, than most contact teams do. It's kind of scary looking across the other sideline and just seeing a wave of people in a jersey that is not yours. Yeah. And like you you know that, you know, even if you have pretty good numbers yourself, you're like, okay, um, you know, we're probably gonna get a bit tired here just because they are gonna be able to be so fresh. Um, yeah, I, I think they're really well coached and Again, there's no better example than that than than Hannah King. Like those two touchdowns as well were uh, were against us actually, and I, I think like it's it's very like the the women's sport thing has kind of been I don't no, it hasn't been say fought against or anything like that, but it, it's you know it's not ver- been very um, publicized just how many people. Or just how many women there are in AFI? Like, yeah, there's uh, quite a few. Orla yeah. obviously did great, great work for for the league, and um, you've got uh, 
I forgive me for forgetting her second name, but Frida with the um, Donegal Derry Vipers. Yeah. Gallagher, Frida Gallagher, yeah. And it's just like there, there's so many women, like not even just like in the background staff, obviously, like you're a player yourself. I, I try to be. I try to be. I'm <laughs> trying to break into the playing scene here. Like, I don't know how well it's going given the dislocated shoulder. And, given, <laughs> and all yeah, the given the fact that your shoulder was, was popped out maybe not even a month ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, like, like I think when you see someone like Hannah and, again, like scoring two touchdowns is, is fantastic for anyone, you know, p- playing American football or even playing flag football. But she's a baller, like... She is like she's got burners, and yeah. she's got she's got a good set of hands on her too. And you know she wasn't afraid of, um, you know when lads are coming in to tackle. You know she was just as willing to, you know, if contact came, contact came. You know it wasn't like that she was, um, you know trying to step away from it or or anything like that. She, like she was just as prepared to, maybe even more prepared to, to you know get as many yards as possible than some contact players to be completely honest yeah especially that first touchdown do you know because you could see it we, we shared it on our socials like where it was just I think just a cute little like five yard pass to the centre where she was and um, and then she was away like you could see her lines of running are very clever in that it's uh, not necessarily any jukes or anything like that but just a slight little angle that just makes catching her so difficult and especially because she's so fast she seems to really have that understanding of like with flag all you have to do is get past the player enough so that they can't flag you. You know what I mean? There isn't there isn't a huge... In contact, let's say you have a big target. It's kind of easy to just run straight into someone in contact and stop them from running. Whereas with flag, the, the target is a lot smaller where it's literally you're just going for the flag. And you could see that she ran, you know, she ran past people understanding where they were she had that awareness where she needed to be how to how to move to get around them like her hips do lie yeah exactly like there's a, a, a very subtle sort of flick of the hips as she's going by one um one of our defenders and you know from this from the sideline looking at the play as it happened I was like I oh, hear how have you missed that tag but when you when you go back and look at the footage it's like there's a very you know, it's definitely there. There's a bit of a, not again, not a juke, but just a quick turn of the hips that puts the flag where it wasn't. And again, as you said, it's that awareness of knowing not only where they, where the defender was, but knowing where her, where the target on her is. Yeah. And and again, keeping the toes, uh, toes in as well, because she was tiptoeing along the sideline. Yeah, she has great, great awareness. And to do all of that running full pelt, you know, for for the touchdown, like I'm just excited for what what she and the Lions are are going to do next. But still, they're two and two, and the Raptors, who are in third position, are three and one. So um, I don't know if you want to move them up. I'm kind of happy enough to leave them in that fourth position there. Yeah, I, I'm I'm happy leaving the Lions there. It, it's it's difficult when the Raptors have scored so many points that it's very hard to say the Lions are better than them. Like. Yeah, I think I think even the Raptors beat them by fifteen points in their oh, yeah. game. Oh yeah, they did. Yeah, so, I was surprised. Yeah. So, and again with lads like like Dougie on there, Sean Douglas, who is just so quick and, and not shifty. even like in a straight line. No, he's shifty. Yeah, he's shifty. You really have to break down your feet if you want to get anywhere close to him. And even then, do you know it's it's just annoying, really. 
it is because like that, that's the thing like when you're trying to again like as he said you have to really break down in order to make sure that he doesn't shift away from you but he's smart enough and quick enough that if he sees you breaking down well he'll just run straight by you then that's the thing yeah it's it's so, just frustrating it's just annoying we don't appreciate it Sean we really don't so then obviously in first and second position first we had the Eagles second we had Hurricanes obviously yourself you you both are 4-0 and oh. um, you might disagree with me but I would leave it in that first and second just because I feel like the Eagles are having some significant point differences in their games not that that hugely matters at the end of the day when when you're 1-0 after a game nobody talks about necessarily the points that are scored you either win or you don't and it is that black and white um how do you feel that you're going to match up against the eagles i don't know the eagles are a really weird team to sort of plan for like they can come out one day and score 60 points against the raptors and then they'll come out the next couple games and score 20 points yeah in very low scoring matches and I don't know if that's a case of they knew they were ahead and they probably knew they were going to win the game. So they just sort of threw anything at the wall, see if it stuck. Yeah, maybe even rotated people in or... Yeah, or if they just got stuck and they just couldn't score and they were good in defense. It's, it's, it's a difficult one. Like, I feel that we have enough playmakers to, at the very, very least, challenge them and give a really close game. But I, again, my definitely not biased opinion... Um, I uh, I I think we'll have a good day against them. Yeah. Now, Tommy, it's it's very hard to say that when you have lads like Matty O'Mara and uh, Tommy on that team as well. Tommy is just, you know, he's another level. Like we're on about Sean Douglas and, and Hannah King, but Tommy is just something else. I don't know. I don't know. You know, if if he's human, to be completely honest, he's yeah. just so fast and he's so strong and he's able to control his body so well up in the air for for contested catches and the 50 50 ball that i mean that it's not a 50 50 not with him it's like a 90 10 and the other thing is is that i mean it really in flag football because it's such a fast moving game high scoring it's really exciting like the 50 50 ball is something that does need to be practiced pretty much all the time because if you are good at that 50 50 ball i mean it is the difference between winning and losing. I think that both the Eagles and yourselves have proved, I mean, obviously the Eagles are the reigning champions and they know how to win, but I think that both of you have really proven that you know how to get that win. Like even um, the Canes the last day, I think you had a one point, you had one point win. Who was that against? The one point win would have been against, I want to say the Quetzals. Yeah. And then, yeah, it would have been against the Quetzals. We won 29-28. Yeah. And then we had, we played the Lions then and won by a score. 19-26. Yeah. So very, very close. But it's one of those where when you when you know, there's something about like there's an intelligence about playing offense and you're probably in the best position to to comment on that because you are the quarterback, so the leader of the offense. There's an intelligence about how to get the win. And as silly as it sounds... It's a game of it's a game of chess, and really, you just have to be ahead by the time the final whistle blows. Especially in in flag, where scores tend to go over and back, over and back quite quite a lot. So I think both the Eagles and the Hurricanes have proven themselves to be 
teams that know how to get wins on game day so I just think it'll be really interesting to see how that matches up for me that's the fixture in that shield that I'm excited to see how it goes and I might might root for you we'll see you might we'll yeah yeah see how much money's in it and then we'll we'll go for it yeah we'll see how the rest of this podcast goes (laughs) (laughs) yeah I'm just trying to like I'm trying to decide not trying to decide I'm trying to figure out who gets into the playoffs oh so, yeah so it's three first, isn't it yeah it's three from each uh, so top the top ones that makes sense first yeah, place so, teams so, that, that, that is better English First, the first place teams get a bye yeah and for context we are talking about the multi-code shield and the flag only shield so the flag only is the one that we were just talking about, the Eagles, Hurricanes, Raptors, etc. And then the multi-code is the one that would have the Mavericks, would have the UCD, Trinity, Rebels, Pirates, Crusaders and Minotaurs. So it's the top three from both of those different divisions that will meet for the playoffs. First place and both get a bye. Okay. Second place, third in their own, uh, their own division. So there's, there'll be no sort of... Um, cross-conference play if you want to put it like that um, in the playoffs so it'll be second versus third winner of that goes on to play first and then the winners of what essentially amounts to the AFC versus the NFC mm. play in a game maybe arguably in my opinion Kelly bigger than the Super Bowl itself <laughs> I'd, I'd be inclined to agree with you Joe so at the moment I mean, like, if we just take the standings as they are, Eagles and Rebels, I'm assuming that... The, I'm putting Eagles in first, I hope you don't mind. Um, the They are getting a bye. Yeah, so they'll get a bye. The Eagles have um, a better points difference than us. So they'll, they'll go into... You know, they'll finish first as it is, um, as will the Rebels. Yeah. And then... And then, so it would look like... It would be the Canes then versus, what is it, either Minotaurs, Mavericks or UCD if it's the second versus the third. Yeah, yeah. so so it'll be, as it stands, it'll be against the Raptors. So, because there'll right. be no, um, you know, so the, the flag only in the multi-code won't mix until it's the, the final. Yes, so sorry, I did that say game. that. Yeah. So it'd be the Hurricanes and Raptors as it stands. And then on the other side of things, it'd be, am I right in saying Trinity and the Minotaurs? Minotaurs at the minute, yeah. Yeah. At the minute, yeah, yeah. Because that like that's a that's a division there that can kind of go either way. Yeah, I mean, like for contention, you have what? The Minotaurs, Mavericks, and UCD as well. Yeah, UCD can sneak in at the end. Yeah, um, I think they might. Yeah, because like you've got the Minotaurs and Mavericks play each other. Yeah. And yeah. I think that I think that's actually one of the last games of that game day, which is this weekend, I think. It the eighteenth. Sounds about right. Yeah. Um so you know, someone's dropping points there. And then, you know, if U C D can sneak in if the other, you know, if one side loses two games or if Trinity don't play well, like it is kind of all up for grabs at the moment. It is, because I know the, the Mavericks have to play Trinity and the Mavericks would would have played UCD la- the last time, the last round of games, and UCD would have come up by three points. But it was a very kind of, 
it was a game that the Mavericks would have learned a lot from and that I think areas of their defense were quite uh, exposed and kind of felt like that game wasn't out of reach. Do you know the, the Mavericks would have had the beating of that game at certain times and that's no disrespect to UCD who did end up coming out with the win because they were just that strategically better on the day. But then UCD and Trinity went on to draw. So if you're a Mavericks player, which you know I'll consider myself to be, we're not thinking that we can't beat Trinity. Like we're thinking that, oh yeah, like if we fix what went wrong against UCD, we should be able to actually come away with that. So I suppose it's one of those, that third spot is is really like up for grabs at the minute between, between all those teams. Yeah. And again, when you look at that draw between UCD and Trinity, Trinity... I had to I think they scored they they tied the game on the very last play of the game yeah it was close so you know it, that went down to the wire and they just just got their draw um so there's nothing you know I I can imagine a world where the Mavericks beat, beat Trinity I don't oh, think that's too a great uh, world such a oh I don't know about that now <laughs> it's a it's a world and we'll leave it at that no um, like it, it is a, it is um I can see it happening. I, I would maybe wouldn't predict it, but I wouldn't be shocked either. It is one of those where I genuinely can see it going either way, yeah. and it'll yeah. just kind of be a coin flip as to what it, what happens on the day. Look, I would think that the Mavericks would be very much the underdog going into that, but I mean, everybody loves an underdog, so exactly. Yeah, you you know you kind of have to root for them at this stage. As much as I'd really love to not root for you, it kind of have to. Thank you. It's football, so you know. It's it's. Uh, it's kind of the rule whenever you're a neutral, especially in American football, you just kind of have to go for the underdog. Yeah, just because you love seeing an upset. Yeah, like it's boring if, you know, who's supposed to win wins like. Yeah. Trinity, if you want to drop a game, because if you, if you, as long as you win the other one, you're in the playoffs. So if you drop that one and make things interesting between the Mavericks and Minotaurs, that'd exactly. be A+. That would be, yeah, they should. They should really take one for the... For the greater good. For the team, boys. <laughs> so seeing that, um, seeing the playoff race on both sides will be really interesting. Um, and again, once the the games this weekend kind of wrap up, um, you know, teams on the flag only side will say start saying to themselves, okay, well, if we win this game and we get into playoffs and we beat that and then beat, you know, either the Hurricanes or the Eagles in the in the semifinal, I guess, then it's like, okay, well, who would we be playing on the other side? And, you know, I, I just think this time of a season doesn't really matter what competition it is. It always gets me really excited for football just because yeah. literally anything can happen. Someone can have a shocking day or someone can pull an upset and it just kind of changes the whole shape of what you thought was going to happen. So I'm looking forward to hearing about the games now on uh, from this weekend. Yeah, me too. Speaking of games going on this weekend, Kelly, <laughs> I'm going to take Smooth. over hosting duties now. I'm away. Um, we've got some games going on uh, in the Donaghy uh, in- Invitational Cup. Kind of butchered that name. Roll, we'll roll it. We'll roll it. I don't know. Uh, it's taken maybe two or three attempts for me to get that name, and it still hasn't really came out right. But we're gonna roll with that one. Okay, Just perfect. Leave it in. We have the the Jets versus the Giants and the Razorbacks versus Vipers. Um, that's been hosted by the Razorbacks in New Forge. So that first game, Jets Giants. That is a, that's an interesting game because. Um, obviously you guys had the Jets ahead of the Giants in your power rankings um, which I, I, I don't disagree with either I think the Jets are a really good football team 
And I think a game against the Vipers, who were um, a division above them in 2019, to have a good, you know, to have a good first half against them anyway, where you you go up 13. Did they go up 13 nothing in that game? Um, they, I don't know if they went up 13 nothing. I know that the first they had the first score, and do you know the it was the second half that the Vipers really won. I mean, the Vipers I think shut them out in the second half, but it took that first half for the Vipers to really kind of get it together against the Jets. Yeah, but like to have that kind of a performance, uh, you know, against a team that is you know has come up against realistically better competition. Uh, you know, just looking at the divisions they were in in 2019, to to be able to put up 13 in the first half is, you know, it's no easy feat. Like, um, I think that'll be a really interesting game because that the Jets team seem to be very, um, you know, very pass positive. Like they they aren't afraid of throwing the ball, which is good to see. I feel like a lot of teams. Um, you know, from when I've been sort of growing up in the sport around here, a lot of teams have been very run heavy. So it's good to see a team that actively wants to pass. Now, obviously, I know there's teams in the SBC that will do that, but um, when you're in the SBC, you should be passing anyway. But it's good to see a team like Antrim who aren't afraid to, to spread the ball around. And it'll be interesting to see how the Giants match up against them after playing the Razorbacks. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to, to that game. To be completely honest, given that the the Giants' defense had a had a day um, where it shut out the Razorbacks, you know, so I I would actually have always said that the Giants were more of a like defensively stronger team um, than they were offensively. But I would have said the opposite for the Jets. Like I feel exactly couldn't agree more with what you said. The Jets have never been afraid to pass the ball. Their QB McLean is is very good. He's really really like a strong leader on that team and, and good at managing that offense and has has an arm on him as well and so they are like more of an offensive led team than defense so it really really will be kind of seeing how Jets offense meets Giants defense I feel will be the determiner for that game I feel like that one could be a case of you know if that Giants defense gets a few shots in early you know if you can especially when your offense relies well, I don't want to say relies, but when when your quarterback is a big part of your offense, like the Jets is, if you can get a few knocks on him early, and um, you know, kind of throw him off his rhythm. Yeah, he's you know, if, he, if, he, if he's not feeling, yeah, like like if a quarterback isn't feeling himself, you know, the, the and he kind of, you know, if he, if he's supposed to be throwing, you know, twenty twenty five passes a game, you know, you know, the the offense isn't going to work. So it'll yeah. be interesting yeah. to see how the Giants approach this because at the end of the day, you win by scoring points. And if the Giants can stop the Jets' offense, you know, it's it's theirs for the taking. It's there for them. Yeah, the Giants as well are a team that really have a, a point to prove, I feel. You know, they're really quite driven by just, like, proving that they're there, proving that they're playing football and they're... You know, they say that you should never take anything personally, but I disagree with that. I think that taking things personally has a place in sport and they do, like they take things personally and they want to get that win and they're they're well able to grind to get it. So it'll be interesting to see if they can pull it out now on the weekend. So the second game then is the Razorbacks and the Vipers. For me, I am actually, I'm 
going to back the Vipers in this game because uh, I think the Razorbacks obviously are doing things right and that they're playing football this year but they didn't get score in the last day so obviously that was disappointing for them and I'm back in the Razorbacks not just or back in the Vipers not just for this game but actually probably for the cup uh, I can't argue with that like the I think I won't say they'll have no no issues I mean when you start slow um, against the Jets you know there's obviously a reason why. Now, I, you know, I wasn't at the game. I can't confirm or deny anything as to what the reason was, but there was something there that slowed them down at the beginning. So it'll be interesting to see now. Obviously, the Razorbacks were there at that game. Yeah. Um, so, last they've seen it. so they've seen it. And, you know, hopefully they've taken some notes and, you know, kind of worked on that for, for this Sunday. Um, so I, I wouldn't write it off as a, as a Vipers win. I, I'd probably lean that way. And I'd be, you know, fairly confident saying Vipers should win, but I don't think it's a Vipers will win, you know, because the Razorbacks are can be can be a physical team, you know, if they, you know, if on the day if they happen to come and they're ready for a game, you know, the Vipers start the way they did last on or not last Sunday, the Sunday before, you know, there could be some issues there for for Donegal Derry. So I believe in Pod though. Yeah, in pod we trust. One of those as well for the Razorbacks, it's like how how well have they resolved the issues that they were having? Because the thing is, is sometimes when you have like a standout issue, like, okay, we need to start scoring points. If you have something that's that clear to work on, sometimes that's an easy fix, you know? So, I mean, it could be a case that they have that, um, that they have that resolved for this game against the, the Vipers. So, I mean, I wouldn't... Yeah, we'll see. I'm, st- I'm still going to back the Vipers, but I would... I would really hope for the Razorbacks that they're going to give it to the Vipers and really get the Vipers sweating throughout that game. I think that that would be as good as a win for them. Yeah, like they had, they almost came, they came very close to scoring against the Giants. They had a, um, the interception they threw uh, right in the goal line. And I don't know if it was the pass or if it was a, a you know, if it went through a receiver's hands or something, but um. You know, when you come that close to the goal line and it just, you know, you turn the ball over. Like, that's not, a, you know, that can be a freak turnover as opposed to yeah. it was bad execution. So, I, you know, I reckon they'll score. I reckon they'll score against the Vipers. And, you know, if they can, if they have a good defensive plan ready for the Vipers, you know, they could get, you know, could get some things going their way early on. And again, American football is a game where if you take the lead early on, if you, as long as you can control the clock, you've you've you a pretty good chance of winning. So, yeah, it just comes yeah. down to coaching from there. So, and we all love we all love an upset. So we do, we do love an upset. We'll see. So then some of the other kitted friendlies that are upcoming this weekend, we have like a rematch of the Cowboys and the Knights. So that finished thirty thirteen for me. Probably probably gonna back the Knights again, just given that they're after beating the Cowboys once. Uh, yeah, well, they went up thirteen nothing. Yeah, the they did. So they started well. They did what the Vipers did. They went down early, and then said, "You know what? Let's turn it on." And they went ahead and won the game. Um, I was kind of shocked though when I saw that because I was like, "Okay, well, on one hand, you went up thirteen nothing, Craig Avon. They went up thirteen nothing, and then you go and give thirty unanswered." And I was surprised that for a team as organized as the Cowboys on the football field, I was very surprised to see them give 30 unanswered. 
Yeah. So I, it'll be it'll be a real test for them there to, to bounce back and show the night something different, like you know. Yeah, and I think it'll come down to players because, like that, if you can get two touchdowns on unanswered, you know, in the first half against a team, then the beating of them is there. I think that the Knights really did put a lot of the win down to having a lot of subs to come on, a lot of fresh legs. They kept their players quite healthy. They also like rotated, rotated a lot, didn't rely on kind of the very well-known players in the Knights. Um, whereas the Cowboys seemed to suffer a bit from injuries. I think like people were getting tired and stuff. So I suppose part of that is going to come down to what players are available on the day and how much you can rotate and rotate rotate in and rotate out especially because I think the weather is supposed to be absolutely scorching this weekend so for me that's probably I'm not writing the Cowboys off by any means I don't think it's actually a good idea to ever write them off because the Cowboys are one of those teams that as soon as you write them off that's exactly where they come back and and they win and they are a good outfit and have been for a long time um they've lost the likes of Joe Buchanan obviously but they have some fantastic players um in in that club and some fantastic like leadership and I mean like they won they're coming off the 2019 IFL one bowl win and they're going up to the SBC and so they are planning for that so I think it will just be how well they keep the players that they have healthy throughout this game um to see if they can clinch that win yeah like it's an important game for both teams I think again even though it is a friendly at the end of the day you know the Knights would have went into that game uh, at the end of June and they would have said right lads since our you know demotion obviously with the year out and you know players sort of left and went to other teams but you know that was a real chance for, for them to show the rest of the of the association look we're not you know we're not a bad team you know we just got unlucky with a few results up in the Shamrock Bowl like they, they proved I think against when they beat the Cowboys there in June they said, well, we're not, you know, we're, you know, we're not a bad team and we're, we're definitely capable of getting back to the Shamrock Bowl. I think that's, it's now looking at the Cowboys and saying, okay, well, you lost 30 to 13 against a team that just got demoted. Can you prove that you belong in Shamrock Bowl? So yeah. even though it is a friendly, it's a really big test now for the Cowboys to, to give an answer to that. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, I, th- I think that that's a really good uh, analysis. And I mean, both teams traditionally are SBC teams. So yeah, it really is. It really is kind of making that point of which one of those teams should be in that kind of final spot for the SBC. Yeah, completely agree. So then... Obviously that uh, should be the Minotaurs, but we'll just, we'll, we'll, we'll skip over that. Well, speaking of the Minotaurs, <laughs> actually, um, I know that you have some upcoming friendlies that you are, that you've just you've just kind of announced that you have um, a raw or a schedule coming out in August. So did you want to talk about that? Yeah. So um, just very, very recently announced there. Um, I'll just, we have four games set up. Um, so we have the Bulldogs, the North Dublin Pirates, the Kildare Crusaders and the Rhinos set up over the course of, I think it's six weeks. So yeah. our first games is against the Bulldogs and we finish with the Rhinos. Um, yeah, it's just, again, we were kind of struggling to say, okay, well, you know, how many games do we play? Because, um, you know, we, you know we, we've struggled, as I'm sure all teams have, with trying to, um, trying to recruit during COVID. Um, it, it's kind of been... Uh, a bit challenging to say to, to new people to join the club. 
And obviously then you have player retention where, you know, it's been two years since the, the club has played a game. Like the 28th of July was our last football game. And for play or for teams that didn't make any playoffs, it's before that. So to, to try and say to new people and even people who would have been kind of nearing the end of their playing careers, it's like, oh, well, it's been two years since I've been off. You know, that's a lot of rust to knock off. Um, so we were kind of saying, oh, well, you know, how many games do we set up and and then it's who do we organize them with? And, you know, would we have gone up north to play a game? Probably. But obviously with the situation that we're in, it's been, you know, you can't really set anything in stone. Obviously, I know the Trojans have set up a few games with, with uh, teams down here. I think they've one set up with the Panthers. Yeah, Am I correct in saying that? Near the end? They've two, yeah. They recently released their exhibition schedule. So they have um, the... Cowboys, um, they have their first game against the Cowboys, which is kicking off on the 25th of July, and then they have the South Dublin Panthers, and then they repeat those two. So um, that's that's what they have going on. It's great to actually see the different exhibition games, and it'll be interesting to see how year games go. The Bulldogs, I know, have been trying to get uh, their football off the ground and that they, they were trying to get a game against the Panthers, which would have been a scripted session, which couldn't go ahead because of the, the COVID guidelines and the wording of our, of our own bylaws. But um, all those teams are kind of, you know, the the Pirates obviously are involved in the flag. The Crusaders are involved in the flag this year and they're very active teams. So we'll be interested to see how that goes. The Rhinos, I haven't heard too much from um, although big fan of their social media work, um, Twitter and all that is absolutely gas. But it'll be interesting to see how those how those games go, like whether the the Rhinos in particular is one that I'm interested in. Um, you, know, you have Haas and you have um, Barry Bolton there who are some kind of veteran, veteran players and the Rhinos are would have nearly always been an SBC team until they went down there. I think it was maybe 2017 that they went down will kind of the the quietness that they've had over the last two years like will this go against them in this game against ye i think i think that it could well i think the main thing for us was looking back at the last couple of years and um you know when we start to turn it on a little bit when again going back to youth football once we had our first set of graduates and when we started getting really competitive in uh what would have been ifl one at the time um we had some really good games at the rhinos so i think our first game against them, we would have won by a point. And it was a last second field goal, I think. Maybe not quite as time expired, but it was like, you know, inside the two minute warning. And then we had an interception to seal it off. So it was again like a two or three point game, I think. And then a couple of weeks after that, we had a playoff game, our first ever playoff game. And um, playing against the Rhinos, and the Rhinos beat us with a last second field goal. And obviously yeah. that was when they went on to the finals and um, got themselves promoted to the Shamrock Bowl where they've been since that. So, um, you know, I think that's a game I'm, you know, as a player myself, I'm really looking forward to because, again, like when whenever you're uh, playing against a team that's in a higher division and you're, you're always saying, oh, well, you know, this is a chance for us to prove ourselves. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, I could maybe look back at my 2019 and say, oh, well, you know, I scored so many touchdowns and this and that or whatever and maybe you could argue well maybe that was a level of competition you were playing against so I think again personally you know as a player maybe not as a team but as a player I'm looking at this as a chance to say okay well you know how, how good am I how, how, how much can I challenge myself in this game 
you have a point to prove. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, we have something to prove as a collective and as individuals. Like, you know, we want to show that, you know, just as much as I was saying about the Cowboys and, you know, do they belong in the Shamrock Bowl with this game uh, coming up against the, the Knights? But, um, you know, we're looking at this as a, as a chance to say, OK, well, we're playing against Shamrock Bowl level uh, competition. So, um, yeah, that's something I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Is that us at the end of the show? I think so. Um, I, think I don't it. know if there's anything else. We can talk about, um, you know, we can get the footage up if you want of the Jack Lynch ca- catching the goal line and analyze that for 20 minutes if you really want. I think that's a, I think that's a video special. Um, maybe the, maybe a 25th episode of a podcast where we just go into that, <laughs> analyze that for an hour and I think end we up, have... end up screaming at each other and canceling each other and blocking each other on top. Yeah. And then we'll have, we'll have people coming up and saying, oh, well, whose side do you agree on and get Instagram polls? I can tell you, it'll, it'll pop off. So it will. A hundred percent. Yeah. If you've interactions up 200%. If you have if you have the video video footage, if you have the little snippet of it, we'll put up a poll saying was this a oh, touchdown or not. That, but but you are not allowed to vote and you are not allowed to get the Minotaurs to vote. Oh, that's fine. I'll just vote from the league account and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> make it official, an official stance. That's overturn it, the official. overturn the Cowboys promotion and uh, and everything, yeah. <laughs> That was your plan for the... the Exactly, yeah. (laughs) It wasn't about getting stats up or promoting the league or anything like that. It was just getting the the Minotaurs to Shamrock Bowl. Um, It is half five. Jesus. I'll let you go. Kelly, thanks a million for having me on. No, thank you so much. I so enjoyed it. Right. I'll uh, see you around. Hopefully we see each other on another podcast anyway. I'm sure. Maybe a game soon. Who knows? Hopefully. Yeah, we will. We will. Right. See you soon. Bye. 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 Hi guys, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Domestic Game Podcast. Special thanks to Joe Kinahan for helping me to co-present it. Uh, Please feel free to subscribe to the episodes on Spotify. And also, if you have any recommendations or suggestions for content that you would like to hear, or if you didn't like some of the content that you heard, please feel very welcome to contact either myself or Robbie directly. You can contact us through our social media channels at The Domestic Game or through our American Football Ireland emails which are as always kelly k-e-l-l-y underscore d-w at americfootball.ie and robbie's is or o-b-b-i-e underscore c-a at americfootball.ie because we want to hear from you